And the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters Ball. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. And welcome to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I'm Joey Gentili. I'm Brandon Stanwick. And we are your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per decade, per category, where this week we are talking about the ladies of 1978. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually really excited for this one because 78 hosts my all-time favorite movie ever made, yeah. and that's The Deer Hunter. Right. It is by far, I watch this movie religiously numerous times. I watch it at least twice a month. And really? it's, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like every other week you watch The Deer Hunter? Don't judge me, bitch. Okay. And it may not be every other week, it may be two in the same day. No, oh, okay. Never done that. I would say like, maybe like, I think I once did back to back, like day wise, but I at least watch it twice a month. Okay. Because I notice new things all the time. There are children. Ugh, there's children right outside our studio window right now. I don't appreciate it. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> fucking breeders Mm -hmm. anyway um no i love the deer hunter i think it's one of it's the most perfect film ever made um of course it has its controversies Mm -hmm. um my grandfather is a purple heart vietnam veteran who's still around with us today and so a lot of the stories that he told me about vietnam as a kid i saw come to life through the deer hunter so it 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 holds a special place in my heart plus i'm a huge history buff so uh, does he have an opinion on the deer hunter he does. I don't want to speak for him because I sure. don't remember what it was, but I do remember it being too hard for him to watch because okay. it was too close to home. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he hated it, but I know he didn't love it because it brought back too much. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. But um, yeah, I love this year, so I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. What's up with you? Um, not too much. I uh, See, I finally got around to If Beale Street Could Talk. How did you, how did you feel about that? Um, I didn't love it as much as I thought I would. Yeah. I, it's not bad at all. No. Um, but, um, it just didn't click with me for some reason. It's, it's, it's an interesting follow-up to Moonlight. Yeah. But Moonlight was better. I preferred Moonlight. I try yeah. not to compare movies too much, but, yeah, it just didn't, um, it didn't resonate with me in the way that I was kind of hoping that it would. Yeah. I thought the structure of it, the sort of dual timeline thing, yeah. really kind of took me out of it. I think he was. I think Barry Jenkins was trying to weave in action and exposition at the same time mm-hmm. and whatnot. But like, it just um, it didn't pull me along in the way that I thought it would, and I wasn't that invested in it, which kind of disappointed me a little bit. Yeah, I did. I did find a point with that movie that I was just like, I, I saw it in theaters, and I was actually I hate when people do this, but I was that person. I checked my phone. I'm like, what time is this? Mm. Like, it just didn't keep me as enthralled as Moonlight did. I mean, I'll compare. I'm not, you know, I'm different from you in that way. Yeah. Um, it just, it was all right. It was, I wouldn't, it didn't make my top 25 of the year, that's for sure. It's certain, it's a good movie. It's just. It's, it's not, not bad by any means. It's just, it's all right. It's not, it's not bad, but it's, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's not photography is beautiful in that movie, though. Yeah, the photography is gorgeous. Yeah, it is really good. And the supporting cast is great. Love them. Yeah, um, I really appreciated the scenes uh, where Regina King and the other mom went at it. Yeah. And right in the beginning there. Um, I thought that was a fantastic way I to love the, some characters. The older, the older daughter. Yeah. The sister to the main character. You cunt. And I was oh like, my Ooh, God. girl. You know what else is exciting about this year, though? Hmm. We're almost done with the 70s. Yeah, we, we are. We have one week left. Yeah, we have today and then next week, and yes. then that's the 70s. We, we've reached the end, practically. So mm-hmm. it'll be... The 70s are my favorite decade of film, so it's It's my favorite sweet. decade for American film. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. What's your favorite decade for non-American film? The 60s. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. Um... But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. So uh, there's a lot of things to be said. And next week, we get to talk about Bette Midler and the Rose. Oh, yeah, we do. Yay! And the big Sally versus Bette oh, battle. Right. yeah. So that'll be fun, too. Uh, we've come a long way. I'm proud of us. Yeah. I'm proud of us. And I'm excited because once we're done with the 70s, we're bringing in guests right. um, to discuss this with us. Obviously, we've um, been working on other guests for other things, for like interviews and whatnot, but... Uh, uh, my friend, who is a working actor uh, by the name of Craig Jordan, will be joining us uh, actually 10 weeks from now yes. for uh, 1988. And then I'm sure that you will have your guest as well which you yeah. haven't told me yet so I don't know who it's going to be right um, but yes yeah, so we'll have um, we'll have a third third view of this mm-hmm. so it'll be fun shake things up a little I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready to get this going yeah you ready for the 70s yes alright lead us off girl so our nominees for best Supp- supporting actress are Diane Cannon in Heaven Can Wait you're doing fine thank you Penelope Milford in Coming Home Maggie Smith in California Suite. Maureen Stapleton in Interiors. Meryl Streep in The Deer Hunter. Okay, so let's start things off with Maggie Smith, Mm -hmm. who is our winner for the year for California Suite. This is her fourth of six nominations and her second of two wins. Mm-hmm. She was previously recognized for Othello in 1965, The Prime of Miss Jean Brody in 1969, which she won for, mm-hmm. and Travels with My Aunt in 1972. Um, in addition to her Oscar nomination, she wins the Golden Globe for Comedy Actress, tied with Ellen Burstyn. She was in the lead category, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. She is nominated at the BAFTAs as well, also in the lead category. But she's nominated at the National Society of Film Critics and the New York Film Critics Circle in the supporting. Mm-hmm. So it seems like no one really knew where to put her. Yeah. And in this movie, she plays Diana Barry. Um, she is in the segment entitled Visitors from London. This is a sort of a, what do you call it, Antho- anthological movie? Where it's like multiple stories. Anthology. Well, Anthology, yeah. Yeah. Is anthological a word? I don't know. It is now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she plays Diana, who is an actress who happens to be nominated for an Academy Award within mm-hmm. the world of the story. But no one thinks she's going to win because the movie she's nominated for is kind of this frivolous comedy. And her husband, played by Michael Caine, is having an affair with a man. And he's not being too discreet about it. The English love having these bisexual affairs in this decade. Yeah, they really did. But uh, thoughts on Maggie Smith? I love her in this. I do too. Um, I think she's in the right category, though. 
In supporting? Yes, because it is an ensemble piece. Yeah, there's not really a clear lead in this movie. It would be like if we went back to the Nashville Ladies of 75, mm. even though I do feel like Ronnie Blakely is the lead of that movie because the whole movie, it's what happens in there revolve around what happens to her character. I think she's a centralizing She's character, centralizing, yeah. But I don't know if she's quite lead. But I would put where Lily Tomlin is in Nashville to where Maggie Smith is here. Okay. She is supporting. Yes. She's she's in the right category. I agree. I think she's hilarious. This is um we talked about this way back in seventy one, uh, with Barbara Harris, where you could literally YouTube Barbara Harris's role for who is Harry Calvin, why is he saying these terrible things about me? <sighs> that title. That's a long that title. That is a huge title. And um there's a pretty much Maggie Smith's whole entire role on YouTube and mm-hmm. all you she's the best part of this movie because the movie itself isn't great. Uh-huh. Um, but Maggie Smith's role in this is the best part of this movie. Yeah, I also love... And she really just wants Eggs Benedict. Uh Uh-huh. I like how she says that. I also love Elaine May in this. Who doesn't come in until I forget she's in this every time. Yeah, she doesn't come in until later. She's in, like, the last third of the movie. Mm -hmm. But Maggie Smith is wonderful. I think she's hilarious. She was a great... Or is, she's still with us. Mm -hmm. A great comedic actress. Yeah. And I love that the Academy recognized this, uh... She and Michael Caine play off each other so beautifully. Like, I totally yeah. thought they were a couple. 100%. Yeah, her deliveries are just great. And I love when she's uh, taking him down, when she uh, she notices that he's got something going on with this fellow because he's not really hiding it. Yeah. And she's not having it. And it's I, her day. And I love when she calls him a twit. Uh-huh. Twit. I like to pop my teens on that Maggie Smith. No, I love her line delivery in this. She's, she's hilarious. Um, this is... This is when you do comedy well. And this yeah. is when you do comedy good. And I, it kind of makes me sad that she doesn't do much comedy in her career. Because she's really good at it. She does it every once in a while. Like she had the, the lady in the van a few years ago. Uh-huh. She was pretty good in that. But yeah, she doesn't... Uh, she had the Harry Potter movies for a while. It was not really comedy, but... Do you ever watch... Do you ever just YouTube and just... When you're killing time? Like, you just watch videos on YouTube? Yeah. Go and check out when Maggie Smith is on the Graham Norton show. Okay. And she talks about being recognized and she, she talks about, you know, Graham Norton's like, you know, you've always really been famous, but Downton Abbey really puts you to fame. And she's like, yes. And she's like, kind of just like, she, she knows and she's not the, you know, the best. She's not the happiest that she's so recognized. And she, and then Graham Norton's like, yeah. And then the Harry Potter films. And she goes... Yeah, that one caused a lot of small people to want to be around me. <laughs> and she she goes in the story about how uh, I once met this kid at a grocery store, and she's like, he's just staring at me, and he looks up at me, and I looked out at him, and he goes, it'll come to me. And then she goes, he's like, so I have a question. She's like, what? He's like, were you really a cat? <laughs> oh, I've seen that. <laughs> Talking about Professor McGonagall in the first Harry Potter film, and she's like, Pull yourself together. And I'm like, Maggie Smith is old people. I have seen that. I love Maggie Smith. She's really good in this too. I like her. I love, so Michael Caine's a dick to her. Yeah. He like, he knocks her down every chance he gets. He's, he's a catty bitch. She's like, she's like, I'm thirsty. He's like, you already drank everything in the state of California. Try Nevada. Like, they're just great in this movie. But he puts her down every chance he gets and she just bounces back. Yeah. Like, she holds nothing back. Yeah. 
And I love the, the movie within the movie where you see the movie she's nominated for, and it is horrible. And then she watches it on the plane back to England after she's won. Because it's playing, it's playing the on the plane as they're traveling to LA. <laughs> yes. And then at the end of the movie, they get back on the plane to London, and it's playing on the plane again. Uh, and all the people on the plane are like, you're great. Can we just talk, too, where they she totally called out Glenda Jackson in this movie? Yeah, she did. Where she's like... Glenda Jackson's nominated every goddamn year and never shows up, which is true. Except I mean, for the year where she wasn't even nominated. And then she showed up to give Art Carney his award, but yeah. it was totally true. Like, she had been nominated, what, four times? And won twice. And won twice, never showed up for it. So you go, Maggie Smith. I watched a, um, a segment that CBS uh, this morning recently did on Glenda Jackson, because uh-huh. she's doing King Lear on Broadway now. And she said that, I don't remember which year it was, I want to say it was the year of Touch of Class, she apparently forgot about the Oscars, or so she claims. Okay, Goldie Hawn had that same exact, like, uh, when she won uh, for Cactus Flower in 69, and she's like, I forgot they were even on. <laughs> Let me tell you, if I ever forget that I'm nominated for an Oscar and that they're on, like, you need to just put me to pasture. Uh-huh. Bitch, I will never miss that. So I don't know if Glenda forgot four times. No. Or, or what was going on, but, yeah. That just gave me all types of fever. Fuck that excuse. <laughs> Still love Glenda. I <laughs> love Glenda Jackson. So uh, anything else on Maggie Smith? No. <laughs> She's wonderful. That this. was a great way to start this. Yeah, we're fired up. Yes. So uh, moving on to Diane Cannon, mm-hmm. nominated for Heaven Can Wait. This is her second of two acting nominations. She was previously nominated for Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice in 1969. And between those two nominations, she was nominated for Best Short Film Live Action for a short film entitled Number One that she directed, but she did not win that either. She pulled a Christine Lottie before, well, gets Christine Lottie in 84. Uh-huh. But before Christine Lottie pulled a Christine Lottie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going into this, Diane Cannon actually wins the Golden Globe for Supporting Actress. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, she plays Julia Farnsworth, the murderous wife of the man whose body Warren Beatty's soul is put into when angels take his life too a early. little bit too early. And the guy whose body Warren Beatty's in was just murdered by Diane Cannon and her lover, who was also the guy's accountant. And when the guy comes back to life with Warren Beatty's soul in him, they freak out and then just keep trying to kill him. I kind of wish that we were recording this like a video file for, uh, because (laughs) my face watching you try to explain (laughs) Heaven Can Wait, uh, that's how you have to explain that movie though. And this is a remake. Yeah, and it gets remade again. With Chris Rock. Yes, and Regina King. And Regina King. Um, the movie is not great. Yeah, I wasn't that um, infatuated with it. Jack Warden in this is fantastic. He's funny. And Diane Cannon is really good in this. She's funny too. I would say she's fantastic on the Warden level, mm. but she is really good in this. It's a kind of campy performance. Yeah. And that, here's, I like her in this, and when I think of, Julie Christie's in this too, right? Yes, she plays uh, the love interest. Yeah. Um, she's like an activist. And she's alright in this. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's not her movie. Yeah. I mean, if you remember from the 1971 episode, people, I'm not the biggest fan of Julie Christie. But we'll get to her down the line anymore. Um, When I think of this movie, I think of two things. Number one, that fucking god-awful bedroom wallpaper that Uh matches everything in Diane Cannon's room. And then the scene where the 
the mirror is supposed to fall on yes. his character and it falls on, on the bed on the, on the jacket that, he, uh, that Warren Beatty throws on the bed Diane Cannon and her lover are like we got him and then they walk through the door and they're just frozen like because they've, like, they've like booby trapped the bed yeah. so that when he sits on it something falls down and crushes him yeah but instead of him sitting on it, he throws his jacket on it, which, like, sets off the trap. And this, like, Looney Tunes... It's Looney Tunes, yes! Diane Cannon is, like, the wily e. Coyote of this movie. Yeah. Always setting up these ridiculous, intricate <laughs> yeah. booby traps that don't work. Yeah. And, I don't know, it's ridiculous. It's good. It's fun. I, I can see the nomination, for sure. It's a fun performance. Yeah, it's fun. The Golden Globe win is interesting, Especially who she was up against. Globes are gonna globe. Globes are always gonna globe. We've seen that this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I see the nomination. Yeah. 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 I've got nothing really bad to say. It's no. it's an inspired nomination because it's not your it's not your usual Oscar fare. Yeah. But I'm fine with it. Yeah. I was enjoying it. Yeah. She seems to be having the time of her life. Yeah. <laughs> setting sure. all these booby traps for Warren Beatty. Hundred percent. Anything else about Diane Cannon? No. Okay, so moving on to... Oh, I do oh. I do like this better than her Bob and Ted and Carol and Alice nomination. I have not seen that. Because, we, I mean, I'm sure we'll do a special episodes of certain years. But yeah. um, this is... I, I don't want... She's got more to do in Bob and Ted and Carol and Alice, but she's more... She's more human in this more, one. More down to earth. She, I don't want to say down to earth. Okay. But because she's very Looney Tunes, she's the Wally okay. Cody. I think she's more... She's more human in her performance in this Okay. Movie. So that's what I'll say for that. Okay. Until maybe one day we need to make it Yeah. So um, our third Best Supporting Actress nominee is Penelope Milford for mm -hmm. Coming Home. This is her first and only Oscar nomination, and she didn't really have any precursors going into this. And in Coming Home, she plays Vi Munson, the friend of Jane Fonda's Sally. Uh, Vi's brother has just returned home from Vietnam after a couple of weeks, and he now resides at the Veterans Hospital where Vi and Sally work, and mm -hmm. eventually his trauma drives him to kill himself, and, um, let's see, I lost myself in my writing here. Oh, and Vi is also kind of responsible for convincing Sally, the Jane Fonda character, to start working at the Veterans Hospital while her husband is away overseas in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So, uh, thoughts on Penelope Milford? Um, I really like her in this. I think Penelope Mil Milford in this. A lot of people call this a coattail nomination because mm -hmm. if you go to Penelope Milford's IMDb, she's one of the few actors for her award section where this is all she's got. Yeah. This is it. I think on her award section, this Oscar is her only nomination. Yeah, that's the only nomination. Oh. It's the only thing she's ever been of nominated all for. all the movies she's ever done. Um, I think... I defend her in this because a lot of people do call this a Kotal nomination, but this is what you want a supporting actress to do. Yes. She does it perfectly. She shows up, she does her job, she moves it along to where she needs it for her character, but doesn't take away from Jane, the Jane Fonda character, and she gives you heartbreaking in like her breakdown dancing scene in the hotel or in the motel, and I think she's really good. Yeah, from like a story perspective. The way her character is used mm -hmm. is perfect. Yeah. As a supporting character, like you yeah. were saying, she is sort of, in a way, the inciting character. She is who brings Jane Fonda into this hospital where she meets the John Boyd character, which sets off the rest of the story. Right. And she has this brother who has been traumatized in the Robert war. Robert Carradine. Yes. Yeah. And eventually, he kills himself, and that scene is just... Heartbreaking. Brutal. I 
Yeah. And her breakdown is kind of like her finally accepting that her brother's gone. Right. Because she well, she wants to go out and party and get wasted and, mm-hmm. you know, forget reality for a while. And she plays an integral part to this story. Yeah. The movie doesn't exist without her, yeah. but she's not the lead. Yeah. From a script perspective, this is, like, brilliant. Yeah, she does really good here. I This is one of these um, performances and actresses who I kind I mean, we, outside of this movie, we know her from Heather's. And um, really, that's it, unfortunately. She had a few movies sprinkled in between Endless Love in the early 80s, um, The Golden Seal, and then uh, she hasn't acted since 1996, but she still she, she lives in upstate New York. I, I've been in contact with Penelope Milford over the past couple of years. Um, I, I, I wanted to work with her on a separate project I was doing, and she read the script, she loved it, she said, but she turned it down. She wasn't ready to return to acting at that point. And actually, I'm trying to get her on our, on our show. Mm-hmm. She She's interested in doing an interview, so I'm hoping we bring her in for this. It's all just all, It always just comes down to scheduling. Yeah. Um, but I'm back in contact with her, and I really want to talk to her about this, because if you search Penelope, Mil- Penelope Milford on YouTube, there's her, her reel that someone did for her, and then there's like an audio clip interview, but there's not much on her, and I want to get to know more about her. Mm-hmm. So I really hope we do bring her in, but going to the performance, I think she does really good here. Um, she was definitely the dark horse of the group. Yeah. Um, she has the least showy performance. She has the least showy, but she does a lot. Yeah, like that, her reaction to her brother's suicide could have been milked for days. Yeah. And some actresses would have gone there, and some directors would have gone there. But her reaction... Felt completely genuine to me. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't feel manipulative. Manipulative at yeah. all. Yeah, and um, fun fact about this is that Jane Fonda wanted Meryl Streep for this role. Yeah, after Vine. after they worked together on Julia mm-hmm. for Vine Munson. Yeah, which I'm kind of glad that Meryl didn't do this one because we'll get to her in a second. But of course, she did the Deer Hunter. Right. But Penelope Milford is Vi. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have done better than Penelope. Here. Yeah. So, I like her. I do too. Yeah. Anything else about Penelope? No, I just really hope that we get her on the show. Yeah. She'd be fun to talk to. I, I agree. Um, moving on to Maureen Stapleton, mm-hmm. nominated for Interiors. This is her third of four nominations. She was previously recognized for Lonely Hearts 1958 and Airport in 1970, mm-hmm. which we spoke about a few weekends or weeks ago. Um, she, They're all blending at this point. Yeah, whenever that happened. Yeah. Um, she gets nominated here for the Golden Globe. She wins the Los Angeles Film Critics Award. She is nominated for the National Society of Film Critics, and she wins the New York Film Critics Award. In Interiors, she plays Pearl. Pearl is the woman who Geraldine Page's uh, former husband, Arthur, falls for after he leaves her and goes on a little sojourn to Greece. Pearl is more upbeat and livelier than Geraldine Page's Eve character, who suffers from clinical depression. And Arthur intends to marry Pearl, and Eve and her adult children are not on board with it. Yeah. So thoughts on Maureen Stapleton? Um, she's good. I'm not the first to say this, and will never be the last one to say this. Woody Allen's interiors is Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Woody Allen trying to be Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. And coming off of the year before with Annie Hall, this is a complete 180 of. Woody Allen we see here the movie I don't like mm-hmm. I don't like interiors I think Maureen Stapleton is the best thing about interiors okay but I'm really stretching that best um it's a small role it's not very showy right um 
but she's in a way the comedic relief of this movie. Yeah, she's she's literally like a spot of color. Yeah. Because the so Eve, it's a very dark film. Yeah, so Eve is like an interior designer, mm-hmm. and her designs are very stark. There's not a lot of color. It's a lot of like grays and dark browns and pale blues. Side note though, this was also the 70s. So where the main colors, if you think of the 70s, was mustard yellow and pea green. Yeah. So it's a dark era. Yeah. And um, it's definitely a dark movie visually. Yeah. Um, Woody Allen's definitely going for that Igmar Bergman effect. He's got Gordon Willis shooting it. Yeah. The color palette is very muted, Mm -hmm. which I think is supposed to match Geraldine Page's depression. Yeah. But Maureen Stapleton comes in and she like she wears color mm-hmm. and she's lively and upbeat and she is the antithesis mm-hmm. to Geraldine Page's character. Yeah. To the chagrin of the children. Yeah. Who cannot stand her. Yeah, those kids sucked. Yeah. Those kids sucked. Um, I don't hate it. I don't either. I don't love it. Yeah. I'm I, I'm I'm in the middle with it. It's good. I'm on board with the nomination. I think she's I she's doing her job. I don't know if I'm on board with the nomination. But I can see why the Academy wanted to honor this one. I'll talk a little bit more on that when we get to Geraldine Page in lead. Excuse me. Um, totally almost burped in your ear there. Um, but um, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my favorite of the group. Mm-hmm. So I got nothing else for that one. Okay. Um, so we can move on then to Meryl Streep. Meryl! For the Deer Hunter. Meryl! This is her first of 8,000 nominations. And this is the first time we get to talk about Meryl Streep. Yeah, and yes. we will be talking about her approximately every other episode from here on. <laughs> so, but this is her first one, mm-hmm. and she is nominated for the Golden Globe. Uh-huh. And her precursor's a little strange, because the BAFTA here happened the year, the next year. Yeah. So, and she's nominated in lead at the BAFTAs. I did not know that. And simultaneously nominated in supporting for Manhattan. Which will come out the next year. The next year. So the Baptists were uh, feeling pretty inspired with the yeah. double Meryl nomination. It's definitely category fraud there for Meryl. Yeah, she's definitely not the lead here. No. Um, but she also gets the win from the National Society of Film Critics and the nomination from the New York Film Critics Circle. In The Deer Hunter, Meryl plays Linda, the love interest to Christopher Walken's Nick. She later grows close with Robert De Niro's Mike character, when he returns from overseas while Nick is still back there going through some stuff. So thoughts on Meryl? Yes, because like I mentioned, it um, The Deer Hunter is my favorite movie of all time, and I'm kind of upset we're not talking about De Niro and Walken here, because mm-hmm. I have such a de- Deer Hunter theory, but it's literally going to have to wait until we get to the men. Because it just, if I talk about it now, it's not going to put anything towards Meryl's performance, and that's what we're focusing on. Right. I think she is fantastic here. This is a great debut at the Oscars for Meryl Streep. Um, famously, we know that she took this only to be close to John Cazale, who she right. was engaged to at the time because he was dying. Yeah. And unfortunately, and it's, rest in peace, dude. John Cazale had one of the briefest but greatest resumes in Hollywood history. Yeah. Every, all five movies he did were Best Picture nominees and or winners. Yeah. Um, so... It, it was shot here in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the, she's great here. Uh, she, what I love about The Deer Hunter is that the first hour and a half, which we don't get m- much in film anymore, is we get to know our, every single character. Before they even go to Vietnam. Bef- right. So the, what's great about The Deer Hunter is that you get the whole Vietnamese, or the whole Vietnamese, the whole Vietnam War experience. You get 
pre-war, mm-hmm. during war, post-war. Yes. No other film has ever really ever touched it like that. But what Michael Cimino did here was that I can think of at least. Yeah, I, I saw your eyes. I'm thinking, I'm thinking but not think, nothing's coming to mind immediately. I mean, think about it. Born on the Fourth of July. Born on the Fourth of July gave us post-war. Platoon gave us mid-war. Yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not like arguing with you. I'm just no, thinking. No, I know. Right? No, no. I'm yeah, a hundred percent. Linda is a delicate flower. Mm-hmm. Linda is... One, one thing I didn't do not appreciate from Michael Cimino with this, though, is that Cimino's women in this movie are just punching bags. Yeah. Meryl's abused by her father, and then there's the middle of the wedding where the one bridesmaid just gets punched out <laughs> by John Cazell, and everyone's just like, oh, well, this bitch is on the floor. Yeah. Um, it was the 70s. If still, though, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're trying to correct that to this day. Sorry, ladies, that that ever was a thing. But I think she does really well here with what she has to do. She ends up being the backbone towards De Niro's character after the war. She moves in because she's dating Christopher Walken. Um, But at a certain point, she just wants to feel close to him by sleeping with De Niro's character. Um, And that's where my theory comes in. And we really have to wait. Um, So I'm going to keep you on suspense for months to come. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think she does really good here. She shows up again. She's kind of like the Penelope Milford thing. She shows up, does what she needs to do, carries the film along. She does really good here for debut mm-hmm. at the Oscars. Yeah. I like her a lot in this one too. I've heard, there was an interview, it might've been Graham Norton, where she's not the biggest fan of this role. Really? I think it was this one where she said she, this role, she was, um, her character is designed to stand between the men. Mm-hmm. I think is how she put it. I don't really know anything else other than that. Yeah. But um, I think she does well with what she has to work with here. Yeah. Um, she is definitely the woman. She is like the concerned love interest. Yeah. And she does serve as this um, motivating force for Robert De Niro's character. Yeah. Because, I mean, you probably remember this better than I do. Isn't she the one who tells him about the other guy who's had his legs amputated? Is she the how he gets that information? Yes. Yeah, because yes. he didn't know... Because um, his his wife, played by Britannia Alda, is mute after that happens. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she is the one that, that that goes through. So like Penelope Milford, she's there to drive the story along or push it forward yeah. when the story needs it. Yeah. So another uh, textbook supporting character. And it's very odd that the BAFTAs had that in lead. Yeah, that, that was kind of baffling. I also wondered too, though, if Meryl had, feels that way about The Deer Hunter. It's because what was going on behind the scenes, it's a very dark time for her. Yeah. With John Cazelle. So I wonder if that... But I I definitely think this is a great debut for her. Yeah, it's goals. a good first nomination for yeah. Meryl. Definitely not not the best thing she would do, but that's not that's no fault to her. It's just the material. No. Not that the movie's bad, but it's like the, the role doesn't you know give her the juice yeah. that a lot of other roles would go on to do. Yep. Well, anyone else? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Supporting? Anybody else? Oh. No, I think that was the Did we cover one. them? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, all right, so let's talk lead. Uh, going into lead, your nominees were... Ingrid Bergman in Autumn Sonata. Ellen Burstyn in Same Time Next Year. Jill Clayburgh in An Unmarried Woman. Jane Fonda in Coming Home. 
Geraldine Page in interiors. All right, so starting off with this year's winner, Jane Fonda playing Sally Hyde. This was Jane's uh, fourth of seven nominations. Uh, we saw her with nominations all in lead actress, by the way. Um, those came in 1969 with uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Clute in 71, which she won for. Julia in 77. Uh, and then obviously this is smack dab there in the middle. And then it would follow, or uh, three more would follow in Best Actress for The China Syndrome. Oh, my apologies. On Golden Pond in 81 was her only supporting nomination. And then her last one and most recent was uh, The Morning After with uh, 1986 in lead. So going into Oscar night, she had the win for Best Actress in Drama from the Golden Globes. The LA Films Critics Association Award for Best Actress, but her nominations for uh, Actress from the New York Film Critics Association and the National Society of Film Critics. In Coming Home, Sally uh, plays the wife of Bruce Dern, who, while he's at war, wants to kind of do her own part for the war at home, and volunteers at a veteran's hospital where she meets um, John Voight and his character. Um, what are your thoughts on this? By the way, this is also the year of 78 where we, we have two big Vietnam movies. Yeah. Coming Home and The Deer Hunter Going Head to Head. Mm -hmm. So start us off here. I really like her in this performance. Mm -hmm. I think the performance is very interesting for her. Mm -hmm. So Jane Fonda, famous for being an activist in right. the 70s, very anti-war, um, very vocal about it. And here in Coming Home, she starts out as not being, she's not necessarily pro-war, mm -hmm. but she's um, on board mm -hmm. with the military and their actions overseas. Bruce Stern, her husband, is uh, he's more pro-war than I think she is. Yeah. And she's kind of just going along with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not until she gets to the Veterans Hospital and she sees the aftermath and what the war does to people and she starts making that um, those connections with John Voight and the rest that she starts having um, a change of heart and she has like an internal battle going on yeah. for how she feels about what's going on in the world. And I thought that was pretty palpable. Mm -hmm. Like I felt- Worth the day. Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, I like her in this role. Um, I know this is a this is like a passion project for her. I think it took like several years seven, to get made. Yeah, like seven or eight years. And it went through like a few screenwriters and it was workshops. Waldo Salt ended up. Um, yeah, well, I think Nancy Dowd started on it. Yeah. And then Waldo Salt came in. I think he passed at some point. Yeah. But yeah, this was a huge passion project for her. And I think it shows on camera. And it ended up being directed by um, Hal Ashby. Hal Ashby, yeah. Which, as we know by now, I'm not the huge, huge yeah. Hal Ashby fan outside of uh, Harold and Maude. Um, do you have anything else you want to add to that? Um, not for now. I'll let you uh, comment, maybe. I don't love this one. Okay. I don't think this is Fonda's best work. I don't think this is her worst work of her nominations. Um, but I would put it pretty low of her quote-unquote best work. Um, eh, remember, I mean, because mm, I think I'm speechless for the wrong reasons. Okay. Number one, she fucking Marsha crossed herself with that hair. And oh. she goes from such good-looking hair to a horrible perm in this movie. And I know this is not about the hair, but that's the first thing I think of. Um, I think she overdoes it here. I think I think mm. she is trying too hard in her performance. Um, Jane Fonda has what I call... She, did, she studied with Strasbourg, so yeah. she's a method actor. 
but she has what I call the Fonda effect with anything. If you watch Grace and Frankie today, the morning after, they shoot horses, don't they, this. She's got this thing where she talks really loud for the back of the room. Mm. And if I'm talking to you like this, clearly I'm trying to get everyone in the back to hear as well, compared to just talking like this and, you know what I mean? She does that here for me. Yeah. She does it too she, hard. She has a uh, like a larger than life personality. Yes. And it comes through in a lot of her performances. And which is which is weird. And sometimes it works for her. Yes, like in youth in mm-hmm. from a couple years ago where yeah. she totally should have had a nomination and I was 100% team Fonda that year to win an Oscar for yeah. supporting actress um in 2015 for youth. She's so good in that. And there she knows how to like work it. For this one, I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah. Uh this I will say the Academy giving her this one was interesting, but she went into the award season. If you look at back and do some homework on her like press junkets and her interviews, she's like, I'm going to win this award. She, oh. she knew she was winning this one. Uh-huh. So um, she also, when she won this one, signed, which she like yeah. did some sign language, which I kind of find that to be a little, a little off. I mean, I get where she's saying like she wants to honor the, the deaf, but I think it would have been more revolutionary and groundbreaking had Louise Fletcher just had not done it two years before. Oh, she did that too? Remember when Louise Fletcher won for... Oh, you've never seen her. I right? don't think I've seen her So yeah, so Louise it. Fletcher's parents are deaf and oh. signed her entire speech to where Jane Fonda was like, I'm going to honor you by signing half of it and then she just stops. So oh. it doesn't seem as genuine okay. in her win. So, yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah. So... I think her passion comes through in the movie uh-huh. um, for the subject matter and for the story itself. Mm-hmm. But I see where you're coming from with the... Uh, too big at times. A little too big at times. Yeah, I, yeah. Get, I feel that. Um, moving on? Yeah. All right. So moving on to Ingrid Bergman in Autumn Sonata. This is her seventh of seven nominations. She was previously nominated in 44 for Whom the Bell Tolls. Uh, for lead actress, she won in 45 for Gaslight for lead actress. She would be nominated again in 46 for The Bells of St. Mary's in lead. In 1940, uh, I'm sorry, 45 for St. Bell or for Bells of St. Mary's. There's a lot to read over for this one. Uh, Joan of Arc in 48, she was nominated for lead. She won lead actress in 56 for Anastasia, which she was not present at the awards. Cary Grant accepted that on her behalf. She then won in 74 for supporting for Murder on the Orient Express, which we both kind of expressed our. Um, Head scratch on that one. Fun episode. And then finally, this was her last nomination because she would die a couple years later, unfortunately, for Autumn Sonata. Um, Going into Oscar night, she was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Actress Drama. And then she was nominated for the LA Film Critics Association for Actress, but then she won the next three for Lead Actress in uh, the National Board of Review, uh, the National Society of Film Critics, and the New York Film Critics Circle. So she was the critic's darling going into this. In Autumn Sonata, Ingrid Berman plays Charlotte, I'm going to butcher this last name, Englerut. Um That sounds right. Yeah, thank you. Boom. Two claps for me. Ugh, that was loud. That was really loud. Was so loud. Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. Um, yeah, so she plays uh, mother to Leave Allman, your lady love yes. of the 70s. And she plays a pianist who is world-renowned yeah. and has a very tumultuous relationship with her daughter, played by Liv, and her other daughter, who she kind of resents. Yeah. She does not appreciate her other daughter, uh, her youngest daughter, who is... Uh, disabled. Disabled. Um, start us off here. I love Ingrid Bergman in this. This mm-hmm. is one of my favorite Igmar Bergman movies. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention, too, this is the first and only time that Ingmar and Ingrid work together. Yeah. 
So I love this movie. I love her performance in it. I think it's one of... I haven't seen all of her nominations, mm -hmm. but this is my favorite scene. Um, I think she's a thunderstorm of an actress in this one. Um, I'm a little disappointed that Lee Ullman isn't nominated, but yeah. uh, maybe we'll get to that in a little bit a little bit later. But Ingrid Bergman's great. She's a, she's a force to be reckoned with here. Yeah, I don't want this to sound tasteless, but she does go out with a bang for the Academy Awards. Yeah, this is a, unfortunately her final nomination, but it's quite a performance. It's emotionally draining to yeah. watch. Yeah, this movie wrecks you. Like, it takes mm -hmm. you, like, through everything. Between yeah. her and Lee Volman, like, it takes you through, like, the gamut of human emotions. Yeah, this is, um... I don't know whether to love or hate her character in this. She's a hard character to love. There's, there's a certain point, and, like, the whole time she's there, she's second-guessing why she came. At one point, she wants to buy her daughter a car, and yeah. then the next moment, she's, like, cursing why she came. And I don't know if it's because I have a, my own personal tumultuous relationship with my mother, but I'm like, I don't know whether to love you or hate you. And I think that is the key to a great performance. If you're supposed to be hated mm -hmm. and you do it well, you did it well. If you're supposed to be loved and you do it well, you did it well. But I don't know. And I, think, I don't know what to take from it. I think that's the same question that Lee Volman's character is asking herself. Yeah. Because she plays her daughter and you see in flashbacks how neglected she was. Yeah. And how she was kind of always an accessory for her mom but only when it was convenient for her. Yeah. And she would just leave for weeks or months at a time going on tour and Lee Volman's character has invited her to her home to sort of reconnect. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Ingrid Bergman kind of reminds Lee Volman and the audience why they haven't been reconnecting. Yeah, and there's that scene too in this movie, and it's kind of, kind of early on, um, where Ingrid Bergman's character is doubting why she was there in the bathroom getting ready, and she's talking to herself for like a solid two minutes. She talks to herself a lot. A this. lot. And it almost... I don't know if at all Ingmar was wanting you to question her sanity because of it either. I never questioned her sanity. I kind of took her as just being this eccentric artistic personality. Mm -hmm. And maybe she is her own number one fan. And she likes the sound of her own voice. Um, I never really questioned her mental state. Yeah. I think she's just a very conceited person. Yeah. She's the center of her own universe. And that's where that um, choice came from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I bought it. Yeah. This is definitely a great, great fucking performance. Yeah, it is. By the way, when you say number one fan, anytime anyone says that, I always think of Kathy Bates and Misery. Yeah. But I'm your number one fan. That was my horrible, horrible Annie Wilkes impression. <laughs> um, do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, I don't know if we should discuss it now or later, but uh, Lee Ullman not getting a nomination Let's for this? Let's talk about that when we rank. Okay, sure. Yeah. Because okay, we'll I also later. have something I want to add okay. to that one. Sound yeah. good? Yes. All right. So moving on, we had Jill Clayburgh in um, *An Unmarried Woman*. She played Erica. This was her first of two consecutive nominations. Unfortunately, we lost Jill Clayburgh uh, almost ten years ago. Um, going into Oscar night, she she was the nomination queen. If you look mm -hmm. at her resume on IMDb, pretty much everything she's ever been nominated for, 
That's it. It was a nomination. She never won. She never... Well, we'll get to that here in a second. So, the Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress in a Drama, the BAFTA nomination for Best Actress, the New York Film Critics Association nomination for Best Actress, and the National Society of Film Critics for Best Actress. However, she won the Cannes Film Festival. She tied with Isabelle Huppert for Violet. Um, so, she she went into this at least with a Cannes Film Festival win. Um, that usually 99% of the time does not equate into an Oscar win. Yeah. Ask Rudy Mara, ask Penelope for, Yeah, for Volver. I mean, it doesn't usually at all. Although, I do believe Sally Field, which we'll get oh. to next year, won the can. I could be wrong, but oh. we'll wait till next week for that. Um, you want to start or you want me to start? Uh, with Jill? Yeah. Um, I really liked this movie. I do too. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So she plays sort of a liberated character Mm -hmm. because her husband leaves her and she kind of rediscovers herself and she starts uh meeting other guys and Mm -hmm. really figuring out herself in a way that she really couldn't when she was married yeah or i think they might still be legally married and this is another one to alan bates (laughs) yeah alan bates had a thing for getting women nominated but never getting nominated himself right I like him a lot in this. He's the artist, right? Yeah, and he doesn't show up till way later in the movie. Right, because she has like three guys. Yeah, she kind he's, of briefly... billed, he's billed second for this movie and doesn't show up until probably over an hour and ten into it. Probably because of all the men, he's the biggest name at that yeah. point. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed her. I, I liked the little journey that she was going on and I was happy to be along for the ride. Yeah, I really like her in this movie. Um, I like the movie as a whole. Um and she gives you a full range of everything you need. Um, I mean, there's there's a part in the movie where she's almost raped in a taxi, and she just fucking oh. goes she goes ham on this dude, and the taxi driver's like, "Fuck you!" Yeah. Um, but this is a movie too where like Jill Clayburgh is in every frame of the movie. It's her movie. I when I rewatch this, I also like for some reason I never do this, but I was like, do it. I listen to the commentary just oh. in the background and. Uh, Alan Pacola, who directed this, um, mentioned that Jill Clayburgh had not one day off of filming, and I guess it caused he was able to like do some loophole that no longer exists through SAG because with SAG, you know, with the union, you have to have some time off to yourself. And um, yeah, Clayburgh worked every single day of this movie. Wow! During filming, um, we also get Emily Gilmore in this movie. Oh. Um, do you not know who I'm referencing? No. I'm just the Gilmore Girls. Oh. The mom. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of like a real name. Oh, no. I was like, Gilmore. Just because now I can't think. Uh, Kelly Bishop. Yes. Um, this is her first movie as well. So she she plays uh, Jill Clayburgh's friend, which is great. But Jill is just all around really good here. Um, I will say, though, I would rather, I think she would have won the Golden Globe. And I think she belongs in the comedy musical category. Because this movie is really funny. I would I would think that the Globes would put her in comedy. Yeah, the Globes put um, the Globes Globe. Come on. Yeah. Um, the Globes put her in drama. I don't, I don't think she's in the right category there. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. I would also like to point out that putting Jill Clayburgh. Side note, because we talked about Can and Rooney Mara's name came up. Putting Rooney Mara in supporting for Carol would be like putting Jill Clayburgh in supporting for an unmarried woman. Hmm. Just saying. Yeah. It's that would be category fraud as well. Or Tatum O'Neill in supporting. Right. You know what I mean. Um, while we're talking about this decade, um, but yeah, she's great in this. I like her. Did you catch the um, the little shade thrown at Jane Fonda in the movie? Yes, I love that scene. Yes, where she is... and all the ladies are talking about starlets and yes. from the past. I'm like, who do we have now? Jane Fonda. And then Jane Fonda wins in this and category. She, go, she gets nominated alongside Jill Clayburgh and wins. So I don't think Jane Fonda voted for Jill Clayburgh. She probably didn't. She no. she probably voted for herself. Yeah. Um, also, too, little side note that her daughter. While we're talking about horrible children, oh. uh, this this 
decades has a thing for purple children. Um, her daughter in this played the year before in The Turning Point hmm. to Leslie Brown's sister and Shirley MacLaine's daughter. Oh, that, she was the cook. She I was didn't the, realize. Yeah, same girl. Okay. You really wouldn't know unless you yeah. looked it up and that's how I knew. Right. Um, but yeah, because I didn't mention that in last, last week's episode right. for 77. So. Right. Um, but yeah, so Joe Clayberg, anything else? No, I really like her in this. Yeah. So next up we have Ellen Burstyn in same time next year this was ellen's fourth of six nominations of course before that um last picture show the exorcist she won for alice doesn't live here anymore this is slap dab in the middle then next we would have resurrection and down the line requiem for a dream um she won the golden globe for best actress in a comedy tying with maggie smith for california suite right um this i want to start this one okay I cannot remember. I th- I think it was in seventy four when I mentioned this is that Alice doesn't live anymore is not her worst nominated performance. Uh-huh. This is Ellen Burstyn's worst nominated performance. Yeah, this is not a good. She won the Tony for this award. I would like to point out, or for this performance, for a same time next year. But this is definitely one of those things that work better on stage. Yeah, it has, it it has a community theater vibe. I know that's like really shady, but like it really does. Yeah, this is not good. The yeah. movie itself isn't good. No. Alan Alda's really miscast in this movie. I was not buying him in that role at all. My favorite part of this is, and it's so fucking random, is her character is supposed to be a hippie in her mid-40s. Like, eh, like when she's like, what? How, she like comes into the film. Like, so the movie is this char- these two characters over a period of like, it's 25 like 20 years. 30 years uh, meeting the same time each year. At a conference or something. To like hook up and they're both married and like maybe 10 or 15 years into it. she It's the late 60s and all of a sudden Ellen Burstyn is this mom of three who's a hippie from like Woodstock. And she's like, I forget the, how she enters, enters the, the frame, but it's like, would it do, bud, or something like that, or I don't yeah. know. It's just this movie. This it's silly. I'm I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this movie either. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Um, and to tie with Maggie Smith at the Globes. Yeah. Very very weird. Um, the thing that about this movie that made me laugh every single time they did is every time they did that time jump, they played that fucking song. Oh. Um. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why. Like that song. It's like a quintessential like. 70s movie theme song. It's almost like porn music, too. It, yeah, it kind of has that tempo. Yeah. But, like, they play it... So this movie takes place over the course of, like, 20 years. Each segment's a few years apart, and there's, like, five-ish segments showing the evolution of their affair and how they change over And what's years. happening in the world. Yeah, so, yeah. You, so you get, like, all the different world events going on whenever they're meeting. Yeah. And every time they time jump, they have, like, a... Not a montage, but they'll, like, show, like... B-roll yeah. and play this fucking song yeah. that got into... It was nominated for original song. I don't think it won, though. Marlon Hamlish. Yeah. yeah. This was also too unfortunate because Ellen Burstyn is a goddess. This was the the, the fall of Ellen Burstyn for... Um, and I, I'm not saying this to be uh, a dick. This was actually kind of not her words, but she mentioned this in an interview for Resurrection um, where Hel- El- Helen... Ellen Burstyn was, you know, on our game in the early 70s. She had hits, The Last yeah. Picture Show, The Exorcist, Alice in Living Anymore. Same time next year was her first bomb. 
And then Universal's like, well, we'll give this one more shot and Resurrection Bond and we'll talk about that in 1980. But like, this unfortunately was, we saw, we already covered the rise of Ellen Burstyn and this was the fall. Yeah. And she's kind of just been holding on with a finger ever since. I mean, she, she shows up a lot in TV, mm-hmm. but movie-wise, not so much. Not so much, which is unfortunate because she's great. Yeah. But just, yeah, this is not her best. Yeah, this is a... This is not her best It's work. far from her best. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Not right now. All right. So our final nominee is Geraldine Page in Interiors. Uh, this is Geraldine's sixth of eight nominations. All right. So she's had quite a span here. Mm-hmm. Um, her first nomination came in 1953 for Supporting, for Hondo, 61 for Summer and Smoke for Leading, Sweet Bird of Youth for 62 in Leading, Supporting in Your Big Boy Now in 66. One of my favorite Geraldine Page performances is Pete and Tilly in 72 for Supporting. And then we got this for uh, Interiors for the lead. And then she would follow this with two more. Uh, supporting uh, for in 84 for the Pope of Greenwich Village. And then she won in 85 for her last nominee performance in The Trip to Bountiful. Going into Oscar night, she had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress Drama. Now, she won the BAFTA for Supporting and the LA Film Critics Association nomination for Supporting Actress. Start us off here. So, it's kind of funny. Um, I oh, side note. Don't mean to cut you off. Eve, to explain it. Oh. Um, we already touched a little bit in, t- in talking about Maureen Stapleton, but in, in, in Interiors, uh, Geraldine, Page pay, pl- Geraldine Page plays Eve... Who is who gets the news from her husband that he wants to move on after thirty some odd years, forty some odd years of marriage, and the movie kind of goes how her family handles it, how she handles it, and kind of the spiral downward. Okay. Yes. So it's kind of funny. Um, I didn't realize it was Geraldine Page at first when she came. Doesn't out. look like her. No. So like she had been on screen for at least five minutes. Mm-hmm. I think she's like um, decorating her son's house or something that lamp yeah it's all about or this the lamp or something. or something it's supposed to like tie everything together it's her daughter's house she uh, has girls oh, sam watterson's her son-in-law yes yes so i didn't realize that was geraldine page at first she is so different in her appearance and in her delivery that i had mm-hmm. ever seen so that was kind of cool mm-hmm. kind of being taken aback by her um her presence there uh-huh. um it's an interesting performance because it's a very toned down and muted performance for a lot of the movie Mm. because um, she suffers from like severe clinical depression and she spends a lot of the movie um, sort of on the back burner Mm -hmm. of her own mind if that makes sense like I'm trying to like figure out how to explain it but like it's not a showy performance no not for the most part not by any means yeah and it's very out of left field, I think, for Geraldine Page. Yeah. It's very different when you look at the rest of her filmography. Um, I honestly feel like the whole Interiors nominations, whether it's for the acting or the film itself, were, were coattail nominations coming off of Annie Hall, because that was the year um, before. And it was so different from Annie Hall. Again, we mentioned it. Was the, this is Woody Allen's Ingmar Bergman mm-hmm. film. Um, number one, she's category fraud here. She is the fucking supporting. She's not a lead. Okay. Um, at least in my roles that go by um, percentage of screen time compared to... Is there someone time. who has more? No, I think it's an ensemble. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I don't like it. I don't like the movie. Um, she doesn't do anything in it. It, uh... Yeah. I, 
I can't do anything with this. It's category fraud, and that's all I gotta say on it. It's not good. It's not. This is probably Geraldine Page's least impressive nomination. Yeah, I don't think she's not doing anything. I think the it's the nature of the role. She's kind of um, stalled yeah. mentally. She's very mute in this film. Yeah, and she too. yeah, and she spends a lot of the time quiet, quiet, blending in. In a way, yeah. devastated. Mary Beth Hurt, who plays her daughter, who's married to Sam Watterson, uh-huh. is the biggest cunt too. I mm. just I don't I don't do well with that character. Um, I, I mean, if you're gonna nominate anybody in this movie with how cunty she was, give it to Mary Beth Hurt. But mm, this is not good. Yeah, it's uh, it's not my favorite Woody Allen. It's not my favorite Geraldine performance. Oh man, um, no man the. I would not like How did you feel about her choice at the end of the movie to just walk out into the sea? Because I thought that would... I mean, honestly, good for you. It got, me to, it got this movie to end. But if I'm talking about, like, putting myself in that position with that... It felt very literary. It, it felt very... Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Thank you. It felt too dramatic. Yeah, it, seemed, That's what I mean it, it felt that. very Victorian novel to yeah. me. Um, I didn't believe it. Funny enough, it's kind of the same ending as Coming Home with Bruce Dern. Yeah. Um, Holy shit, I never put that together until just now. Yeah, but I believe Bruce Dern's... I also don't believe that they couldn't find her when uh, her daughter was literally two seconds behind her. Yeah, she's just kind of lost I've been in the ocean during the storm, and you could still see people. Yeah. I mean, she really would have had to, like, have be weighted down to not have been popping up there. So, I don't know. This is not... I I would also like to mention, too, I am not a big Woody Allen fan. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, we've heard that with the Annie Hall conversation, but I... If I'm going to pick a Woody Allen movie to actually like, it's Bullets Over Broadway in 94. For me, it's Hannah and Her Sisters. Interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'm, now I'm excited to talk about 86. Um, so, I don't know. This is... Mm, a pass. I'm good. Yeah. At least okay. that scene at the end does give Maureen Stapleton the opportunity to save the day. Because I think uh, the daughter gets saved or washed up on shore and Maureen Stapleton like, does like CPR. Yeah, I mean, now that we're talking about it, Maureen Stapleton, you know, I mentioned I was eh, with her, but this she's kind of the best thing about that movie. She was my favorite part. I like, actually like Diane Keaton in it, too. Again, I just feel interiors all around is a coattail from Annie Hall the year before, so... yeah. Um, that's about all I had, right? That's all I got, too. All right, shall we move on? Yeah. All right, let's rank. Ooh. Oh, was that the last one? That was the last wow, one. For some reason, I thought we had one more to go. No. no. Okay. Let me uh, get up to my list here. So I started with the supporting, correct? Yep. So um, my number five supporting actress for the year is going to go to Diane Cannon for Heaven Can Wait. Okay. Um, I enjoyed her in this. Uh-huh. But... Um, with the rest of this lineup, I honestly wasn't that blown away by her as much as I enjoyed her, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It's also kind of a silly performance, so I'm going to give it um, my number five spot. Well, this is no surprise here. Um, Maureen Stapleton is my number five. Um, again, don't like the movie. She's maybe the brightest light of it, but I could do without her. doesn't matter. So. Mm-hmm. Maureen Stapleton is my four. Okay. Um... Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of this movie, and even though she is kind of um, a light in the dark in a way in this movie, and she kind of stands out in that way and makes it her own, um, 
the movie doesn't really do her many favors. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she's going to get my number four spot. That's funny because Diane Cannon is my number four. Oh, so interesting. Um, she's good for what she is. Um, you know, comedy is hard mm-hmm. and she does it well. I don't think she does it great. Um, I would have loved to see what Madeline Kahn would have done in this role. Oh, interesting. I think she would have done a lot more justice to it. But uh, yeah, she's good. She doesn't deserve the last place, but she's not my winner. Yeah. So. And we're on number three now, right? Yep. So my number three is going to go to Meryl Streep for Deer Hunter. Interesting. Okay. So like Meryl in this role, um, great first nomination. Um, I think the movie doesn't give her enough to do. Mm-hmm. Um Range-wise, mm-hmm. um, I think she's great in it, but um, I like these other two a little bit more. Heard. So she's my three. My three, now this, so my top three that include Maggie Smith, Penelope Milford, and Meryl Streep. These are very hard for me to Yeah, rank. that's my these top three. These three are very, yeah, you have the same. These yeah. are very good performances. Um, I'm giving three to Maggie Smith, though. Okay. Um, not because I didn't like it, not because I don't think she, won- she doesn't deserve to win. I think her win here is pretty deserved all around as the actual ceremony. I'm not wins. mad about it. Not mad about it. Um, but I personally, with who's left, wouldn't give it to her. I think she's great. She's on point. I've always said if you do comedy well, I'll give it to you. But this is my one exception. Just okay. because of who's left, yeah. it's hard. So, so um, Maggie Smith is my runner-up for the year. Which means I give it to Penelope Milford. You do? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. So I, she gets a lot of shit for this. Yeah. And she, a lot of people do put her as a coattail nomination, but that's exciting. That was I was not expecting that from you. Yeah, so um, love Maggie in this. I think she's hilarious. Uh-huh. She's one of the best parts of that movie. But Penelope Milford gives a really sincere and honest performance. Yeah. She is like the quintessential supporting role. She is the, she, what you would think of her supporting She role. has her moments. Yeah. She doesn't steal the spotlight, but and she drives the story along as she needs to. You can't have that movie without her. Yeah. Any other actress, most actresses, I feel, would have really milked what yeah. she chose to not milk. And that includes Meryl here. I feel like Meryl would have gone a little further Yeah. to her detriment. Mm-hmm. I really like Penelope Milford's understated approach to the trauma that yeah. she's experiencing and constantly surrounded by it yeah. at that hospital. So I give the win to Penelope Milford. Good for you. I was not expecting that. I was actually kind of excited because a lot, of, like I said, a lot of people shit on Penelope Milford's role here. Yeah. I think that was very refreshing. Did you think I was going to Maggie Smith? I honestly thought you were going to Maggie Smith. Okay. So well, she's my runner-up, so you're close. So, this is another year where it's, like, really, really, really hard for me. Yeah. So, I'm invoking my tie. Oh. And I would have tied up Meryl Streep and Penelope Mufford. I cannot okay. choose between these two. Yeah. And the reason I also got super excited, because I've always been kind of team Penelope Mufford on this, and everyone laughs at me for it. And, um, this is a, a this is an Oscar that it should have been a Meryl Streep's first win. Mm. Um, she's perfect as Linda and I feel for her and I want, you know, I, I, I want to comfort her. I think she's great. She's going to be like, listen, Linda, like you do you boo and you know, you'll be good. Vi, Penelope Milford is Vi. I can't understand why she didn't get any precursors here. 
She's really, really good. Um, I, I we've already I don't know what else I can say about it because we've already really talked about her in such a spectrum. But um, I wonder if it's because Jane Fonda, John Voight, and Bruce Dern are so much bigger than her. Showier roles aren't always better. I agree, but I wonder if that's why people yes. didn't gravitate toward her. I also don't understand why she didn't have a bigger film career after this one. Mm-hmm. She's really good. Yeah. If you see her in Heather, she's good. If you see her in The Golden Seal, she's good. I've never seen a Penelope Milford performance where I don't like her. Yeah. So that, I'm tying that bitch. Okay. So I would have given two Academy Awards to wow. supporting that year for Errol Streep and Penelope Milford. Just making it rain Academy Awards. You get an Oscar. You get an Oscar. <laughs> All right, moving on. To the leads. To the lead. All right, so that year we had uh, Ellen Burstyn, Jane Fonda, Joe Clayburg, Ingrid Bergman, and Geraldine Page. There's no surprise here. Geraldine Page is my number five. Number one, it's category fraud, and I won't say anymore because you know how I am with that. So, so my number five is going to Ellen Burstyn. No surprise there for you. Yeah, um, this is not her best performance by far. This movie is not very good. She's not really saving it in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, I got nothing. I feel like she was nominated because she's Ellen Burstyn. So she's my five. Yeah, well, she is my four. So, I technically I'm considering her my number five because I don't count Jonathan Page again, category fraud. Um, so, not good. Yeah. Tony, I could see it on... I'm sure on this the, story yeah. plays better on, on a stage. stage. Yeah. On the stage, yeah. For a movie, it gets stale real quick. Yeah. So it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, my number four is going to be Geraldine Page. Okay. Um, she just doesn't really do that much for me. I mm. feel like she's... I don't think she's doing nothing, but... She's not really what I remember about this movie. Mm. She kind of, mm, I don't want to say, I guess she blends in in a way. She doesn't really stand out. Yeah. And when I, when Interiors ends, I'm not talking about Geraldine Page. No. So no. she's my four. Heard that. Heard that. Um, so I gave you Ellen Burstyn. I give you Geraldine Page. Yes. Uh, my number three goes to the winner, Jane Fonda. Okay. Um... I don't know. It's like I said. I was I was speechless, but I don't know if it was in a good way, for sure. This I it just I think she's playing for the back of the room. I've seen better. I don't. I don't know if I can make the claim. Being, I honestly kind of want to. I think this is her worst nominated performance. Okay. And this is she won for this. Uh-huh. I don't think she's good. Like, no. I I, I the only. She's not lower because A, Ellen Burstyn is in, in this lineup, and B, Geraldine Page is uh, supporting. Had you taken Geraldine Page out of there, I think I would have put her below Ellen. Hmm. Okay. Well, she's my number three as well. Heard. Um, yeah, I feel like she's um, she's a little big sometimes. Yeah. Um, you can feel her passion for this movie. You can tell she cares a lot about mm-hmm. this subject matter, but sometimes it's a little too loud yeah. for me. And um, it kind of turns me off at times. And yeah, with um, with Ingrid Bergman and Jill Clayburgh still in here, it's hard for me to not put her at number three. Yeah. So these top two, we have the same top two. Yeah. Is, um, extremely, extremely tough. I will say, um, just to get uh, just to get it over with and rip the bandaid. My number two goes to Ingrid Bergman, mm-hmm. while my number one goes to Jill Clayburgh. Um, for years I had Bergman winning this for me 
Um, it wasn't until recently when I revisited An Unmarried Woman that I was like, mm, Jill Claiborne kicks your ass, Ingrid. Um, Ingrid is perfect uh, in this role. I think she's heartbreaking. Again, I don't know whether to love her or hate her. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's overshadowed by Liv, which we'll talk about here, I'm sure, sure when you're done ranking. Um, I, I would, I think sentiment-wise, would have loved to see her win this because knowing now that this was her last um she was also the critic's darling going to this so i think you know that she had that going for her but jill clayberg is a firecracker mm-hmm. and i love i love an unmarried woman as a whole um i think jill is the perfect feminist icon for this decade about women just not taking shit um i think she's so good and i'm really kind of upset and sad that she never got to uh, experience an oscar win yeah uh, I think I'm going to surprise you here. Okay. Because before I had seen An Unmarried Woman, Ingrid Bergman would have been my number one. Mm-hmm. But she's my number two now. That 100% took me by surprise. I was expecting you to do Ingrid Bergman as your first. So I love Ingrid Bergman in this. I love Autumn Sonata. Yeah. But as you said, Jill Clayburgh is a force in this. Mm-hmm. She carries that movie on her own. Yeah. And she's, she's like, she is a feminist icon. Yeah. She's a trailblazer. I just love her character, and I think mm-hmm. her performance is remarkable. I would love to have seen a performance like this win an Oscar. Ingrid Bergman's wonderful. I have no negatives, really, to say about Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. But Jill Clayburgh is the performance that I gravitate toward mm-hmm. more, having seen it. Because this is my first time watching it. Yeah. And she completely took me by surprise. Yeah. And um, I'm giving her the win for it. I mean, we agreed this year. I mean, I have... We switched four and five. No, I mean, we agreed winners. Although oh, I do winners. have Meryl added because I, I'm using right. a tie here. Um, but yeah, we're pretty much on... Winner-wise, we're on the same page. Yeah. This should have been Milford. This should have been Clayburgh. Uh, However. <sighs> Shall we get to it? Yes. Okay. Do you want to do it? Because you've been Sure, I'll start. This one. Um, Leave Allman was completely robbed of a nomination for Autumn Sonata. Mm-hmm. I understand Ingrid Bergman is a legend. This was her final movie. Yeah. And I think people, I think it was kind of known that she was ill, I think at the time. I don't think it was public. Believe I don't think it was public, but I think maybe there certain people yeah. knew. But Leave Ullman gives a hell of a performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Leave Ullman has this thing where I am consistently concerned for her well-being <laughs> while watching the movie. It happened with Face to Face. It happened with The Immigrants. It happens with Persona. Yeah. And at the end of Autumn Sonata, when she and Ingrid Bergman are having their all-out emotional war with each other, really coming to terms with their past as mother and daughter and their Mm -hmm. feelings about one another, Leave Ullman, I think, gives her best performance. Which I'm checking really quick. I don't think Leah really got any type of nomination. I, nothing major, I don't think. Uh, I think it all went to Ingrid. And I think that's probably because she was Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. The only thing Leah Allman got was a David D. Donatello Award for Best Foreign Actress, which she shared with Ingrid. Yeah. I think she gives a remarkable performance. Supporting her lead. Lead. I think she's a, she's a co-lead mm-hmm. with Ingrid Bergman. It's just as much her story as her mother's story. So who would you taken up, have taken out Paige or Burston? Um, Burston. Burston? Yeah. Still with Paige being supporting? 
Or like, do you consider page leak? I didn't consider category fraud while watching it. I'd have to watch it again and really think about it, but uh-huh. it didn't occur to me at the time. Mm-hmm. But I find Geraldine Page's performance more interesting than Ellen Burstyn's. Ellen Burstyn, I was over really quick. I was over that movie really quick, honestly. Yeah. So I take her out, put Leave in, and I give Leave the win. So you would give Leave over Clayburgh? Yes. Okay, so I also consider them co-leads. Yeah. I think Leave Ullman is great, especially like her eyes in this movie mm-hmm. and the behind those big Coke bottle glasses of hers. I yeah. mean, there's so much pain in them. Um, I take out Paige. I move Fonda to fifth. Burston, mm, I don't know if I can still. Burston's still just, okay. Burston is just so bad. Maybe I do keep Burston in last, but I put Fonda to four. I would, ooh. Between Bergman... Clayburg still wins for me. Okay. I would have to put Leave at third. I think Bergman okay. still outdoes her. But that's a really tough call. Holy shit, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would go Burson, Fonda, Omen, Bergman, Clayburg. Okay. I think I think Jill would still stay for me just because Jill is so, Jill's too good to be fucked with in my opinion. Here. Yeah, I love her. She's woman. really good. But Leave Ullman just like took, Le- t- took is, me by storm. Yeah, Leave is really really good here. Um, now let's say she goes supporting. Okay. Clearly category fraud. Yeah. But let's let's say that doesn't exist. Let's say the idea uh-huh. of category fraud doesn't exist. We put her in supporting. Who yeah. do you get rid of? Um, who was my fifth? Pay- I don't remember who my fifth place person was. Um, I gotta look who back did I say? Oh, I said Diane Cannon. That's right. So you would take out Cannon? I, yeah, I'd take out Cannon. It's, I like her in that movie, but it's, it's not an Oscar role. So you would still give it the win then to... If we're not talking, if, we're, if I'm putting her in this lineup with these actresses and categories not a factor, mm-hmm. I would give it to Lee Bowman over Milford. I think I would... Even though I put Stapleton... No, I would take out Stapleton still. Yeah, I would take out Stapleton. I put, I would put Cannon to fifth. I, I, I still have to put Omen at fourth then. Hmm. So Maggie Smith, Streep, and Milford would still be there. Okay. I don't think for me there's a way for Omen to win this year, for Autumn Sonata. I think a nomination is doable, but I don't think. I, yeah, I couldn't couldn't give her a win either way. Yeah. Which is, I mean, again, I'm so happy you picked Milford. Yeah, in this lineup, as it stands. Milford is the standout for me. Okay. Was this one... Because clearly I did not expect you to put Bergman as your runner-up. Mm-hmm. For either category, did you expect my winners as is? I had a feeling about Clayburg, and I did think you were going to go with Streep for your win. I didn't expect a tie. Because of the love for the deer hunter. Yeah, because you love the deer hunter so much. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect the tie, mm-hmm. but I did expect uh, Streep to get the trophy. Why'd you expect Clayburg, though? Um, I think I've heard you talk about an unmarried woman before, because I think... Back when we were first talking about doing this podcast, that was one of the movies I had not seen. And you were really excited for mm-hmm. it. So I had a... I knew it was up At there. At the coffee shop? Yeah, yeah, so I knew it was many months ago. So I knew it was up there for you. Yeah. So I... And I think I knew your feelings on Fonda and coming home. And so I think... I had a feeling Clayburgh was going to be either one or two. Yeah. Um, this was a shock. I, I, this is why I like doing this, because it, it was a shocker for me to hear your, your top, so... Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, dude, we've reached the last year. Next week is our last oh, episode right. of season one. The season finale, 1979. Season finale. 
we've made it. We 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 made it from our pilot in nineteen seventy, and we're about to look how far we've come. We have come so far. This has been a long ten weeks. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Ooh, dude, I'm like burpy today. Okay, so we'll give a little bit more information for her season two with next week's episode. But um, I will say we're kind of just diving right in. Mm-hmm. There'll be more to announce, though. But um, I'll see you in 1979. Yeah. All right, girl. So, uh, what's my name? Oh, this has been Joy Gentilly. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are Academy Queens. We are your LGBT look into the Oscars per category, per decade, doing all the work so you don't have to. Um, again, this has been 1978. It's been great to talk to you all. Bye. 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 <laughs>